Hello and welcome to the Thriving Three Counties podcast with me, Dan Barker. Conversations with inspiring business people throughout the three counties of Herefordshire, Worcestershire and Gloucestershire. And now it's time for today's episode. I hope you enjoy the show. Okay, hello and welcome to this episode of the Thriving Three Counties podcast. I'm Dan Barker and I'm here in the studio with today's guest. He's a born and bred Worcester-based entrepreneur, founder of a technology group supplying IT services, telecoms, high-speed internet and Wi-Fi, as well as business mobile plans and other services. His customers include many high street brands as well as local Worcestershire businesses like Worcestershire Business Central, Worcester Rugby Club and Worcester Warriors. I think pretty much anyone you meet in Worcester seems to know him. He is Mr. Paul Valentine of Spire Technology Group. How are you doing, Paul? Yeah, hi, Dan. Nice to be here again. <laughs> you too. Thank you very much, first of all, for coming in. We've got a motorbike revving just outside the studio there, which we might be able to pick up on the mics, but uh, never mind, it's all good. So just before we get started, uh, your website, you're at spiretechgroup.com. Yes, that's right. That's right, yeah. So people can go there to find out uh, what you do and who you do it for yes. <laughs> and everything. Yeah, it's only camp. Cool, excellent. Um, so, right, you're you're born and bred Worcester, are you? Uh, yes, uh, um, uh, been obviously been in Worcester for for a fair few years. Uh, know a few uh, uh, few people, which you know has its bonuses, especially when you're when you're running your own business with uh, with a, with a, with a team along alongside you. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. As I said, it seems like uh, most people know. Who you are in Worcester? <laughs> all positive. Right? All positive. Yeah, yeah. I've never heard a negative, uh, a negative thing. So that's cool. So you went to school in Worcester, did you? That's right. Yes, uh, I was a pupil at uh, Christopher Whitehead High School. Uh, it always makes me chuckle when I go past the uh, uh, the school now because it says Christopher Whitehead School Language at School, uh, and it was only sort of uh, bad language when I was there <laughs> back in the uh, back in the late eighties. Excellent, excellent. Okay, and um, what, what were we like at school? Were you good people, or were you there? Well, if you looked at the reports, it was always uh, could do better, should stop looking at the window, and uh, should concentrate more. Uh, but um, I'm probably a bit, a bit hard on myself actually. I did find my reports um, about six months ago. I looked through them, and yeah, I didn't do too bad actually. But yeah. uh, I'd have to say it was okay. It wasn't really enjoyable subject, but I did enjoy double games on a Thursday. Right, <laughs> that was the one you look forward Double to. Double games on a Thursday was always good. Always Double rugby. games, yeah. yeah, yeah, rugby. Yep. Yeah, okay. What position did you play? Um, at that time, it was um, sort of semi-contact. It was any position. It's kind of anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I had about sort of 10, 11 guys just chasing the ball. So, uh, yeah, no uh, no tactics at all. Yeah, yeah, okay. And did, did you enjoy school and uh, stuff? Yes, or? yeah, yeah, school's fine. Um, had a, a good group of friends. Uh, so yeah, it was it was it was no problem at all, um, and it was local, so uh, um, it it didn't take long to get back and play footy and, uh, and and rugby again after school. Yeah, okay. And was was sort of running your own business always on your radar from that age, or was this something that came came along later? Good question. Actually, that's a great question. Actually, I'd have to say not. I suppose not. Uh, it wasn't certain premeditated. However, there were, looking back now, reflecting now, there were a few instances where. Um, I suppose uh, I was being um, um, looking at ways to make a little bit more extra on the pocket money, uh, talking on neighbours, looking at cars, cleaning cars, that sort of thing. But yeah. there wasn't really a, a, a method to it. It was, um, it was how do I sort of make more than three pound uh, yeah. per, per per week? 
to to do to do what, and I enjoyed I enjoyed making that sort of uh, that money that independence. All right, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Sounds a bit like my foray into washing cars. I wasn't particularly <laughs> into it, and kind of just did it for yeah. the neighbours once a week, and uh, that was about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was. Uh, it, I suppose there was an element there, and as I went through my first job, um, I can remember it was for the local authority. Uh, I went to my manager and said, "What about if we do this?" And asked the customers if they liked the service. They may want some more. And I got the look of, "We don't do that." Really? Uh, uh, was when I was sort of seventeen, eighteen. So right, okay. Yeah, I suppose it was perhaps an element was there. My dad okay. ran a business as well, so his uh, influence uh, would have played a big part in. Okay, I was uh, going to say. Part in that. Yeah, I was going to say at that age, like, how did you know to go and ask the customers? Because that's like. We're just sort of trying to learn that these days. Yeah. It seems. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'd say his his uh, his influence was significant. Uh, yeah. Throughout those. Okay. What well, what what was his business or is his uh, business? So, uh, Dad was um, in um, uh, industrial cooling equipment. So, uh, if you take a farm scenario, it would be the the milk. The cows would be milked. The the milk had to be cooled uh, for a certain amount of time. Uh, before it was collected to go to the uh, the uh, creamery, um, and uh, the, the, that business was importing stainless steel vessels from America and from Holland, and then supplying the UK with these uh, these tanks from uh, Pershaw was the was the business. Right. Okay. Uh, and he built up a uh, a network of uh, at the peak about twenty seven uh, distributors around the UK. Um, was number right. two in the UK, so okay. uh, he was. Well, yeah, it, ran a, it was a great business uh, until Foot and Mouth and BSE came, BSE came in uh, soon after. Oh right, okay, and that was kind of the, yeah, the end right. for it, was it? Yeah, I worked with him for <laughs> for, for six years. Uh, and it was great six years working very close to your you know, to your uh, your dad, which was a which was a great experience. Uh, it taught me a, a, an awful lot. Uh, but then Foot and Mouth came in and BSE back in the 90s, and I learned then that you could do the best job in the world, but when something comes in we've got no control of, then, you know, it's, uh, it's a different uh, ball game, and you need to, you need to perhaps consider uh, something where you can control uh, much of outside influences as possible. Right, okay, yeah, that's a pretty big lesson to, yeah. <laughs> to learn. Yeah. I suppose. It was, yeah, it was tough. I had to yeah. make that decision to uh, say to someone that was uh, potentially lining up for uh, uh, succession, uh, uh, management. Oh, that's what I hoped. <laughs> hoped yeah. he was to say, uh, Dad. You know, thank you for the last six years. They've been excellent. But I'm going to go out and diversify and uh, look at um, uh, going into a completely different sector, which I did in in uh, 1999. Okay, so that business didn't fold as such. You just decided to sort of walk it, away. It continued, and... Uh, right. um, and I decided to go into. Uh, I had two op- I had two options at that point. Um, was either going to be uh, something to do with technology or pharmaceuticals. In my in my view, those were two sectors that were always going to adapt, uh, mm-hmm. always be fairly safe, where you could bring up a family and and so forth. So I made the decision to go into uh, technology back in the year two thousand, which was a, obviously a, an important year for for technology and the yeah. dot com uh, side. Yeah, right. Okay, okay. So when you when you first came out of school, then you said you had a job was that before you went to work with your dad uh that's right yeah so i I, for five years i worked at local authority in the uh repro graphics department so i was a printer for uh for five i suppose for those five years uh, learning everything about um printing and design and marketing um and 
Uh, I enjoyed that time because it gave me an influence, it gave me an uh, understanding of uh, how to create um, uh, information and communicate with people, not just verbally, but in a sort of a written format. Okay. Um, was that, that, yeah, it was a good experience. Was that kind of your dad's advice to go out and get a job first before? No, it was get a him job. You're not, you, you can't be sat around here, essentially. So. Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, uh, yeah, you, you, you have to do something. And uh, I, it, 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 an opportunity came along uh, where uh, I could um, uh, work in a, in a print uh, reprographics environment. I like the design sort of side of it. So it seemed to fit at that at, at that uh, that stage, you know, where I was. Yeah, good, uh, good times. Okay. Yeah, okay, okay. And the, so, where did you go after that then? The... So that took me up to nineteen ninety three, ninety four, and then a dad's business was uh, was uh, growing, and he needed somebody that uh, uh, could help him out uh, on the. Uh, I'd say logistics, but that's a bit fancy. Uh, I was driving a forklift <laughs> truck. Um, logistics uh, manager. <laughs> logistics manager of one, yeah, that's right. Um, but uh, I can remember the conversations that, you know, you're working for your dad, you think, you know, I'm, I'm dad's son, you know, I need an office for myself with my name on. Oh, no, no, it wasn't like that. No. You do all the, all the math jobs <laughs> first um, and understand every nut and bolt of the process. Uh, right, so okay. they were, a, you know, they were a big steep learning curve for five years, learning about industrial cooling. Um, and, and then I was able to then to go out into the field and support the, the, the dealers around the country, which I thoroughly enjoyed um, and bringing in some, uh, some good business uh, uh, for him um, up until, as I said, the foot and mouth came in and BSE, which yeah, yeah. had a huge impact. Yeah, right. Okay. So growing up then... Did did you sort of were you aware that you know it maybe is a bit different that your dad had his own business or was that the same as the other kids that you were hanging out with or I mean yeah we sort of surrounded by you know him talking about business the whole time and no, uh, that not, sort of thing. no he yeah he was yeah he was yeah business uh, um, uh, orientated and we had some very good uh, conversations uh, although I suppose. I always rebelled at uh, uh, um, even on a political level. Um, so oh. if Dad voted one way, I would vote the other way. <laughs> uh, and uh, even though we worked together, the conversations were great about national health service and, and different things. I think it was perhaps just to annoy him a little bit, but uh, uh, um, it's it, uh, uh, and it's still it was it was still there uh, until uh, until uh, a few years ago before he passed away. But right. there were some great conversations. Um, uh, around the dinner table, but you know, going back to a question about were we any different? No, one one key thing that they, uh, my dad and uh, mother did was uh, we consider ourselves very grounded mm -hmm. um, and know where we came from. So I came from Bristol White High School, so uh, a, 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 a pretty tough school uh, right. back in the eighties. Uh, uh, so yeah, it was you get on with it and you right. work hard, <laughs> and that's uh, that's uh, that's the bottom line. Right. Okay. Okay. Excellent. And um, okay, so that was on your radar then, sort of do, doing your own thing and everything. Work for your dad, and then foot and mouth comes along. You said you sort of thought, right, I want to look for something that's a bit more stable. And sounds like you had a good, like, I don't know, a very good sense of that, and you were able to sort of assess that well. Certainly, I think of myself at that age, <laughs> I didn't know what was going on really. So. Uh, 
Yeah, that wasn't really. Yeah, I, I enjoyed technology. I enjoyed uh, how things develop. Uh, but for me, it was it was looking at it quite sort of granular. What sector is going to be here uh, uh, through potentially the you know, the rest of my working life, where it's going to be developed? There's always going to be a need for it. And mm -hmm. as I said, it fell into two camps, and um, and from a sort of a a business development side, I could have done both with some initial uh, some initial training, if I'd have fell you know with the right company, which fortunately. Uh, I did in Cheltenham um, mm -hmm. uh, back in back in 2000. Okay, so you went to work for this company in Cheltenham after that, yeah. That's right. So it uh, started off uh, as a, a general sales guy, mm -hmm. uh, uh, picking up a very new uh, technology, which I you know I didn't really understand. I didn't understand at all. I was coming from an agricultural background, uh, engineering background into a, into a technical uh, uh, sales background, and. Um, uh, at that point, they were looking to develop a product as well, which is telephony and uh, voice over IP telephony. Um, and it was a, uh, a, a steep learning curve again, and we were doing well. Uh, I was doing well with colleagues. And then we had the opportunity to um, buy, the, buy, the, uh, buy the business back in 2003. Okay. So myself right. and two other guys started similar sort of time, the MBO um, in uh, back in 2003, 17 years ago, mm. a long time ago. So I was only in my 30s then, but it was twitchy bomb moment time, putting the house on the, on the line. And, yeah, uh, right. But I knew the customers. I knew uh, there weren't many skeletons in the cupboard, and it was a, a, it was a relatively safe bet. Was it? Yeah. yeah. So, okay. And looking back now, yeah, it was a good, it was a good move. Okay. And is that, is that what is now Spire? Or is no, that, no, no, no. I left okay, there in so 2012. Okay, so what uh, did you do with that uh, that business in that time then? Uh, so, yeah, what was so, your kind of strategy? Or Yeah, so we, we, we developed that business, myself and uh, two other uh, business partners um, in te telephony. It was primarily an IT company, but we brought telephony uh, into it and helped with, with uh, colleagues to build the telephony side up. So okay. we, have a we had a customer um, and they would maybe have IT services. We would then layer that with telephony or um, billing of connectivity so essentially we became their it department right um and built up a, a decent uh, retainer uh, model on mm -hmm. contract based uh, business which enabled us to look at other um projects such as software um content managed software platforms um because we had that security of a, a retainer model uh, on a monthly basis so um we did that for um i did that for 10 just over 10 years and yeah. then uh, left in 2012 but that principle and those years there have been very important because it gives you the the importance of uh, retained uh, income and yeah. how you can plan uh, it's easy, a little bit easier and you look more fortunate to be able to plan then knowing that you've got that model you've got that budget coming through mm. um for the next for the for the length of the contract yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We were just talking about it before the recording, yeah. and uh, something that I'm bringing yeah. in as much as I can now as well yeah. with, with the photography and video. Do you think it's? Do you think that sort of model is something that virtually any business can adapt uh, adopt? I, I'd say a lot of businesses can adapt to it, and it may be a little bit unorthodox uh, to you know. I mentioned here, for example, in the photography. Um, that families would go through a period of 
having photographs over um, their lifetime of their of their children or and they do it on an ad hoc basis when they mm. can remember to do it mm. um, and as the child gets older and then and, and, that, and you're missing that pops opportunity so is there a retainer model there where you you form an agreement with the family um, and um, you take photographs with them as their child their children and the family grow then over a period of five years let's say um, yeah they yeah. win because they've got that it's scheduled in um, and they've got that relationship that trust with that person and the supplier wins in this case a photographer because they can they know they've got that model then and that money up front coming on a regular basis mm, it also mm. ticks that box of affordability for that family they can yeah. spread that 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 payment plan over you know a three or five year five year period and there's i'm sure there's finance companies out there that would help facilitate that yeah yeah and what, i mean what i found i when i first started doing it i didn't quite realize how good it was for the client as well because they can just you know they, they've got everything agreed the marketing person in the company yeah got everything all agreed when they're ready to go for a campaign they just pick up the phone and that's it away we go yeah. and um yeah i've heard of you know that in the states they have this concierge doctor service now don't they where it's like a retained thing you pay a monthly subscription and you can effectively have unlimited you know access to the doctor kind of thing and uh, yeah it always makes me wonder you hear people on po- on podcasts sort of talking about it and how yeah. it should be able to apply to like virtually any industry and um i think so you can do that i, I would i say it's easy for me to say you can do it but uh, i i if you mentioned sort of the hair the salon uh, sector where mm. you know um uh, ladies are particularly having spending 120 pounds or 150 pounds on a haircut um that that's an expensive process every every period of time if you spread that over then a period of uh, uh collections every week or every every month then uh, it's easy for that client um and you've got that retained customer then the con of the the business is valued more because you've got that contract or that mm-hmm. agreement in place but also it opens up the opportunity if you're if you've got that regular communication taking um uh, exp- taking money from from the client for the services then you've got a reason then to communicate to them to to upsell other products um, um and give them information advice along that period right okay yeah yeah so when you were introducing that in in that first business the the, the retained model and everything is, is there any are there any kind of services you could think of that it was difficult to get into that model i think that retain model to be fair has been in in in, well, no, in practice that that retain model certainly in the technology has been there uh, uh, uh for a long time now, i yeah. certainly didn't introduce that that's in in the sector it's called software as a service yeah so um you you, you provide whereas uh, you would uh, historically purchase let's say a microsoft uh 2003 uh, license off the shelf yeah now you pay part of your 365 lines license and it's included so you're spreading that that payment of 300 pounds over mm. a, 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 a a longer period but if you looked at the total cost of ownership you're probably paying for that cd twice or three times over right yeah it's quite <laughs> interesting how yeah. society has changed that from the days of cd to now, uh, to now, to now uh, Spotify, yeah. music, but they're continuously paying for that music where they could have. So it's it's a huge shift on uh, on on uh, how uh, how society is 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 uh, is valuing uh, ownership of products, and that ownership of owning a CD is slipping away into yeah. what it actually 
what you actually use it for. I know, I can't quite, like, get rid of my CDs. <laughs> I'm the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What a hypocrite. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't buy CDs, I'd say, but uh, uh, yeah, it is difficult to, to, to get. And the same with books as well. You know, yeah, yeah. I'm I, I, going slightly off topic here, but one of the things I find and I like with CDs and, and records, I suppose, is that you can flick through them. And I, I guess I'm a bit more visual and I sort of remember yep. the artwork and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the one I'm, I'm after. I won't necessarily remember the name or the or something so easily. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I do. I also think it's you know when you bought that CD, you can almost got that um, that emotive feel that when you you first heard it and you want you went into HMV or one of the shops to buy it, so it had that emotive attachment to it as well. Yeah, uh, I yeah. think maybe I'm looking a bit too deep at it, but um, from the book scenario, I'm, I'm the same. I like to uh, pick something up and, and visual and yeah and, and feel it. But that may be a generation, if uh, two generations on. That may be, maybe. Well, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Because people who have just grown up with right. Spotify or whatever are like, why would you have, why would you want a CD? Absolutely. <laughs> it's so yeah. limiting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, anyway, we, uh, we, we've gone off on a bit of a tangent, but a good one, I think, an interesting one. <laughs> um, so you leave, you leave that group, and, and so, so, is, this, is this when you decide to set up Spire? That's right. Uh, I worked uh, with a couple of friends, um, um, uh, friends and colleagues, actually. Uh, one of them was competition, uh, but helped them uh, set up a, a mobile uh, side to their business. So they had a, a lot of clients where they were providing IT services and, and telephony. Uh, I knew a little bit about um, mobiles and uh, had to set up um, a mobile side with uh, distributors, had a good relationship with a, a very good distributor. Mm -hmm. And we put that into uh, their customer base. And then myself, uh, another colleague, then uh, were approaching their existing customer base and and um, providing additional services, which was great for the client because they um, they had a trusted company they were working with, and it was really good for the for that uh, technology business because they were adding more value to their their proposition, um, right, and okay. extending uh, the lifetime of that client. Okay. Okay. And are you sort of quite techy yourself? And Absolutely not. You're not? Nope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right, okay. So how, how does that work? <laughs> um, I have a very great uh, set of colleagues uh, and team um, yeah. around me that uh, sort of help when things are um, uh, required from a technical nature. So yeah, yeah, sure. That's the other thing I learned, actually, that yeah, working in other sectors, such as, let's say, the agricultural uh, side, engineering, you had to be able to do everything. You had to be able to uh, communicate to the client uh, what it was your uh, um, um, uh, offering. Mm -hmm. You had to install it um, and you had to support it. When I moved into the technology sector, it was very different. You mm -hmm. had essentially at the first meeting, you had a technical person that was very technical and you had somebody that could communicate and sell. And right, okay. those, that's, that sales support um, side has followed through. It's always been accepted that when you rocked up to a meeting, there was two people there. Right, okay, okay. Um, um, someone that knew the commercial side of it and someone knew that, you know, if the commercial side or the sales side was getting a bit too wayward, we can't do that because it's it's not technically possible, Paul. It right. doesn't exist. <laughs> okay. Slow down. So um, uh, it worked well. And actually, uh, that person is my business partner today. Uh, right, okay. 2000 and... Uh, 2000 we started on the same day uh, right. we, we worked together for seven years at the same business 
Um, and then uh, Darren joined me back in 2015 as a technical director. Uh, okay, excellent. It still tells so, me to, oh, that doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the kind of, yeah, the, the, the magic formula of, uh, of what you need, someone yeah, we with get the on. vision. And... We get on. We're the, we've got the same morals. We've got the same values. Um, um, we, we've got different skill sets. Um, and we have a good chuckle along the way. Um, yeah, 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 there's some difficult conversations, but that's business. Yeah, um, yeah. It, uh, it's a it's a uh, adapting animal, and yeah, uh, yeah. as long as you've got two individuals that are mature uh, enough uh, to know that you know when <laughs> difficult conversations need to be had, they can be had. Yeah, um, um, we get on. It's, it's it's you know it's working really well, working really well. Yeah. So did you start? Did you, did you start basically from scratch then, Aspire, or do you say you had you, you brought some customers? There were some customers that came with me, uh, and that was thanks to this uh, uh, technology business that I'd worked with for a short period of time um, in t- just prior to 2012. Mm. They gave me a, a really great leg up by um, uh, gifting me uh, two, uh, two clients um, that were able to, I was able to have that retainer model. So, okay, right. Yeah, I, I owe them a lot, and we still... <laughs> work closely together now where there's some projects that we don't have the skill set for. And I will, and it was only last week, I'll pick up the phone to either Dave or Stu and say, Hey, look, this is right in your camp. Do you want to, you want to get, uh, and we, so we still work on, on contracts. And they're uh, not, cool. in, 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 in true essence, they are our competition, but there's that mutual understanding and we work. Oh, uh, nice. Well. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So you can, uh, you can refer. Business backwards and forwards without absolutely, you know, you and know. Some, sometimes uh, we'll we'll pick up, we'll receive a call from a client to say that we're working with X, um, and uh, you know we'd like to look elsewhere, um, and then I'll I'll have to explain that you know we, we can't help you in this instance, um, mm. and then I'll pick up the phone and say you may need to sort of up your your customer service a little bit, or or uh, or that your 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 customer here is having a few challenges, so give them the sort of uh, uh, help there as well. Right. Okay. Nice. Nice. I like that. Trust okay. again. Trust. Absolutely. Okay. Between. Yeah. I think. I think that's everything. You know, in, when you're dealing with clients and just having that long-term, long-term sort of perspective on things, mm-hmm. that uh, things uh, goes around just come around, mm-hmm. always does. And you know, if you if you treat others and you want to be treated yourself, then uh, it always it always works out. Yeah, yeah, nice. Very nice. Words of wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Friday afternoon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> cool. So um so you start off with the two the two retained customers, which as you said is a big leg up. Mm. But then um you've got to start building the business yourself then. So what 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 are what do those first steps look like? Um well when you start a business, it's it's just grabbing any business you can. Um um and we did. We did just that. We looked at uh, especially geography came into it in terms of the, the cost of sale. So we looked, we had, we started networking. Uh, I started networking um, and uh, made some really great contacts there. And over time uh, built some good relationships, which turned into some turned into business. Um, now that gave us a, a, a bedrock of, uh, of clients to be able to look and take that first step into bringing on somebody else. Uh, which mm-hmm. was, uh, was which was Darren in, that, in, in in this instance, where we I was outsourcing work to Darren on a technical nature, um, and he was at a point and thought let's just do this together, 
And from there in 2015, um, with the business made that next step up. Right. Um, okay. And from there, it's, um, it's grown year on year. Okay. Excellent. Cool. And, um, Oh, what was a, I had a, I had a question for you then. I was based on something you just said, and I've just lost it. Um, <laughs> anyway, what's kind of worked for you, and and what hasn't? Then you mentioned going networking, uh, but from there, I mean, you can't, as we were sort of talking about before, you can't sort of go networking all week. So what? What what else has worked for you in terms of ways to grow the business? And yeah, so networking was 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 paramount key back in in the early days. And then you could find yourself networking every single day um, and not actually following through with, uh, obviously, the requests that you were receiving. So we took a, I took a sort of a, a reflection of what we needed to do in terms of the return we were getting from networking. And we pulled back on, on some form of networking back, I suppose, two and a half, three years ago. Mm. Uh, and now what works for us is um, um, where we've got environments of tables of six or ten where you could have some very good conversations, not necessarily about business, but just having conversations about topical um, subjects. And from those subjects, as like anything, it's a conversation. You get to know that person, their values, and, their, and from that sometimes comes a, hey, you might better help us in this, and vice versa. It's always, mm-hmm. well, generally, it's reciprocal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, that's worked for us in the last uh, few years. Um, what, where we are now is, is, we have a good um, mix of clients, which have seen, we're very fortunate of, especially in this current climate, um, where we uh, haven't been exposed to any particular vertical, and therefore we can still continue to plan and grow uh, when we come out uh, the, the back end uh, of this uh, uh, this chapter. Um, so at the moment, it's uh, it's about it's full steam ahead, and we're looking at um, a lot of PR. A lot of marketing mm-hmm. um and just like this letting people know uh about sort of the type of company we are the type of people we are really not a company the type of people we are yeah yeah um and um you know we're a great team and, and we may be able to help those that are looking uh to communicate because that's what it is. it's technology but what does technology do all it's yeah. doing really is helping businesses communicate with their clients okay yeah, um, yeah. enhance that customer experience mm. technology is just the the the, the 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 equipment to do that yeah okay okay and you've obviously been in great demand i should think over the last 12 yeah, months been, yeah from remote working initially setting up clients remote working um with different varying budgets and different varying speeds uh through to now uh what we're receiving is uh, a lot of inv- um discussions on investment upgrading uh legacy equipment uh in readiness it's really refreshing the confidence compared to several years ago let's say in 2008 recession 2008 2009 um where it was i felt it was very different now it's i'm not seeing that i'm not hearing that not seeing the lack of confidence not i haven't not once not even from sectors such as um the hospitality we have a couple of clients in hospitality now that we're helping them um from a budget perspective um get through this but they mm. are still planning for opening and still yeah optimistic even in this tough tough environment mm. yeah yeah it's, it's, it's true isn't it it's um there's obviously been a lot of people that have suffered with it it seems like there's been an awful lot of people that have 
had just the opposite and they've been, you know, inundated with business in the last 12 months. Yeah, it's, it's about keeping your feet on the ground as well, mm. um, listening to what's going on in the community um, and helping where you can. Those people that particularly in retail and local retail um, where we're doing okay and where we can help, um, that, yeah, that's, that's the least you can do. Yeah, okay, so lend a bit of a hand, like you were saying before, a bit of a leg up to Absolutely. the people that, yeah. are, that are struggling when you can. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, seems like a good uh, a good approach, uh, a good long-term approach, like you're saying, building trust and uh, yeah. everything. Yeah, I know what I was going to ask you. So when you were sort of first starting out, because it seems to me like the kind of services that you offer be offered by, you know, some very large, well-established, well-known companies and you're going in and offering them as a, a new company that no one's you know maybe maybe haven't heard of or anything was that a, a challenge to get get past that in terms of people's initial trust of of, of a, a new small company yes it was it was a challenge um and the national telecoms company that um everyone most people are aware of um are, are very good in what they do um, and other things such as communication and consistency of communication, mm. perhaps not so good because of the size of the, of the entity there. Mm. Now, that is a huge uh, a benefit to us for those mm. people that perhaps don't understand the technology. They understand where they want to get to, but they don't know how to put the components together. Okay. And they feel right. that if they work with a national uh, telecoms provider, uh, then they're not <laughs> going to get that... Um, uh, that consistency. So that's where we've got that we've got that that route in where we can provide exactly the same portfolio, but we can give that little enhanced care to get right. them, uh, uh, to where to where they want to get to. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think I know where you're coming from. That we're currently three and a half months into an order to get broadband for our new house at the moment. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Still haven't got there yeah, yet. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So you can come in and really provide that sort of bespoke personal service that people actually want and need in that yeah. area. And when you get into technology, it's critical for the business. Uh, yeah. In, in, for, well, say for many businesses, getting it right first time is. Um, the the factor of whether potentially that business is going to make a profit this year or not. Mm-hmm. So working with not just like uh, uh, businesses like Spire, but uh, other business, other technology businesses that can offer that bespoke um, and tailored service mm. uh, is has a lot of advantages to to, yeah. to others when the pricing is the same mm-hmm. and the support levels in terms of engineering and expertise are not too dissimilar. Okay, so could you give us an example of like a business that you might go into, you know, a new customer yep. who maybe doesn't have technology quite where it could be and where you're able to go in and put a few things in place, what those things would be and what kind of uh, differences they'd make? Yeah, the type of client, the first calls that we would get would be one or two scenarios. They're either A business is either relocating, they've outgrown their current premises, um, or... They're looking to expand their their current premises and their legacy equipment. So if you took the former, uh, for example, generally uh, we found that a lot of businesses would leave the the infrastructure, i.e. the broadband and the the lines to the last minute because they don't have the knowledge of how long uh, it takes for these services to be implemented. Mm. So we can uh, 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 work with a, a client to put in a complete turnkey scenario 
So if you're moving into a, a new premise and you've seen the new premises, you've done all the legals, um, that's when the fun starts. And mm -hmm. really, uh, one of the first suppliers that you should, should contact would be your, uh, your network provider to make sure, perhaps before you signed actually the legals, whether there was any broadband or, or high-speed right. connectivity in there. Uh, and it's quite surprising how many uh, businesses don't do that. So it's, um, right. well, what we can do is a complete turnkey scenario. So we would take care of all the connectivity, all the conversations with third parties, such as Virgin or TalkTalk or even BT Wholesale, um, uh, all the way through to um, deployment of telephony systems, uh, to IT, to wireless um so essentially that business then can con concentrate on their own operations making sure their own um resources hr planning are, are, are in in tune ready for the move okay so we just work with yeah. the date uh and then we make sure behind the scenes everything is tried and tested for mm -hmm. that, when that key opens that door that's that form okay quite similar when you're expanding businesses generally we have to bolt on or change a system out to uh, satisfy the new um, uh, uh, new volume of people, whether that be in the UK uh, or if they're um, opening up a, perhaps an overseas uh, office as well. But generally, oh. multi-site is, is UK. Okay, okay. So you've got them into the building and everything and they've moved in and they've started. What kind of sort of enhancements then could, could, could you install or recommend to people to, to improve things? If we took remote working, for example, so um, prior to uh, March last year, people were in, let's say, an office of 60 people mm -hmm. working behind desks with, a, with um, a customer calling through to a, a switchboard and those calls going through to whichever department it was, accounts, sales or, or uh, design, for example. Mm -hmm. March came along and those same departments needed to satisfy their customer requirements, but in a deployed um, uh, sorry, dissipated uh, environment. So what we would do is, um, um, if that telephone system was able to, is deploy those extensions on the customer's equipment, be it laptops or um, handsets uh, mm -hmm. extensions, and make sure their home connections were sufficient enough to um, provide that, what we call, quality of service. So you can have a, a high-quality definition voice conversation. So essentially what you're doing is moving that, that, that model and that, um, that way the calls flow through the business from a centralized uh, point to a um, distributed network with, with those colleagues and those people, that resource working across the country. Okay. From the customer's perspective, they don't want to see any difference, any yeah, change. Yeah. <laughs> and it's getting that right. So right, that's where, yeah, we, yeah. Where, we can, uh, where we have helped over the last 12 months. Yeah, and yeah. what we're finding now is that that model will continue right, yeah. um, with perhaps some remote working on a flexible basis and others working on perhaps smaller offices, so mm -hmm. relocating again into smaller, smaller okay. offices as such. Yeah. So, <laughs> is it a funny one because you're kind of, uh, people are paying you to see no difference <laughs> kind of thing? That's it. Absolutely <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, we're, we're, yeah, the customer is um, very impatient. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot of competition out there. So it's, yeah. it's critical for businesses to, to, uh, to make sure that customer experience is, is, uh, is key. Yeah. Did it just last, last uh, March, we know when the first lockdown came in, did it just go mental for you? Um, it, it was certainly busier for a, a period of uh, a couple of months. And then things really settled down. 
settled right. down um, um, in, I'd say, June time. Right. And that's where we were able to look at um, um, other services that we could enhance our portfolio. That was a great time for us. Yeah. We, we'd looked after all, make sure that all of our existing clients were, uh, were okay. Uh, they were either continuing working uh, in their office um, or they were working remotely. Right. So once we put, made sure they were okay, and then we were able to um, look at where the business needed to go in this period of quieter time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, one question then, in terms of sort of marketing and things like that, like how do you see marketing? Like what what would you say it is in its essence? Um, well, if you'd asked me that. Um, Two weeks ago, I would have probably said, <laughs> probably no different than if you asked me maybe 17 years ago. However, I, uh, it's a great question. I, I met a company uh, uh, online uh, last week, uh, a week and a half ago, uh, that really sort of opened my eyes into how AI, artificial intelligence, is, uh, is having a huge impact in um, marketing and how historically where there's a lot of human interaction between the different stages of marketing, i.e. data cleansing, uh, designing, uh, or thinking of a response to a specific client, through to picking up the phone to communicate to the client, through to um, filling out the administrative process. Now, that is that, just that linear, quick linear line there is probably three or four people. Uh, and if you took a sales process, probably three months, that's a lot of hours spent um, and a lot of expertise spent in a, a single process. So the conversation a week and a half ago was talking to a couple of businesses that were able to automate the marketing to an extent that you start off with the same linear line, you have a database, it gets refined in terms of the probability of open rates through to how can you enhance through uh, a systematic uh, video to make that customer build that brand with that customer behind the scenes. Now, at this mm-hmm. point in this process, you're having no conversation in real time. This is all done knowing how the customer, the types of questions that the customer will ask. So when they get to this end of that linear line or close to it, they know about your brand. They know a little bit more about the product. They know that you're competitive. And they're probably a lot closer on that seven touch point to buy. Mm-hmm. And that's when that human interaction comes in then to say, how can we help right. you? So yeah. it's automating it, that process. So that's where we are um, at the moment, okay, in line yeah. with introducing uh, some new services. Okay, interesting. I guess it's kind of, it's automating it in such a way that it's like, it's still nice for the customer because um, there are some apps that I use where they have those kind of bots and you're perfectly happy using them, aren't you? Because they do actually ask the right questions or give you the right options and it, it just feels sort of frictionless. Really? That's right. You know, if you take Facebook, for example, with the algorithms behind Facebook, it knows everything about you. It knows whether you're, you're the type of person that is going to read a 60-word a uh, article um, or you're the type of person that's going to read a 600-page article. Right. <laughs> uh, so if you're, if you're the, I, the business, uh, aspire of creating different types of uh, articles, saying the same message, but shorter, and put them out, then you're getting into the... I suppose the psychology of your your client base uh, behind the scenes, mm-hmm. you know? uh, and by the time they go through that that that, that process, um, they are uh, hopefully in a position uh, to to obviously talk to you. 
Cool. Okay. Yeah, really yeah. interesting. Yeah, really interesting. interesting. So yeah, a big um, um, uh, eyes wide open. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so we're we're really excited at the moment. Yeah, what that, yeah. What that can do for us. Yeah. Cool. And how how big is the company in terms of employees and things? So we're at uh, we've just employed another um, uh, IT uh, services um, person to help uh, colleagues. We're now up to eight, and we're we're now advertising for um, uh, another marketing position as well and telesales. Right. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And I, I I get the impression that you like have a good. I don't really like using the term work life balance, but that you have a you enjoy life <laughs> and. Uh, and, and work and everything and what you do is that would that be yeah absolutely i've always <laughs> uh, I, I suppose if my friends i've got a, I'm very fortunate to have a good network of friends um and uh yeah some very very close friends and we have a good we have a great time uh, we yeah we do work hard the old adage you know but uh, uh work-life balance yeah may i think yeah more so now uh in the last um yeah i think yeah uh the last Five years certainly. Um, uh, that's a bit of a wake up call of five years ago. But you, you work everything. I really enjoy business. I always have enjoyed business when I'm on holiday. Mm. You know, it, it's going to be a, probably a business book if I'm honest. It's uh, going to be a what? It's going to be a business book on reading right, or something yeah, yeah. like that. You know, I don't, I've never been. I've always <laughs> always enjoyed work. I've always enjoyed business. So yeah. I've never seen it as you know that Sunday on the Sunday evening. I'm always yeah. looking forward to the Monday, yeah. uh, and and feel very fortunate. Uh, uh, to feel like that so um the work-life balance now whereas before i'd be working in the early hours of the morning uh now it's absolutely not it's um uh, it's a it's a lot earlier uh, and a, a lot yeah, a lot earlier and earlier in the mornings as well oh, so, yeah. okay more. you're an early riser yeah it's you know i'd say you're no more effective you've got to do those late nights now and again but i've personally found uh you're you're not um not any more effective mm-hmm. and, and it has an effect on personal lives and and, mm-hmm. and and you just become knackered at the end of the day. so you just try and stop in the evening at a certain time generally not at a certain time i just don't get into that i don't put myself whereas i just put the laptop and do that proposal or do that uh, i just no it doesn't happen now right okay. um, i okay. will um make sure it's done before or get up mm-hmm. earlier uh, uh to mm-hmm. do it sleep's important i've realized mm-hmm. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So what's your kind of morning, do you have like a morning routine type thing or what's your yeah, morning glad, look like? Yeah, I'm glad you asked me that. Um, like prior to Wednesday, it would have been just breakfast and then getting to work. But now, Dan, it is running. <laughs> You're a runner. <laughs> three days in. But yeah, three days in. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I just joined um, with, a, with um, a, a couple of colleagues. Uh, social distance running, of course. Um, and it's really good i used to run yeah. back in 2008 nothing serious okay. you know five miles like that but yeah the the the, uh, the positivity that gives you the, the mental sort of refresh it gives you in the morning is uh, is superb and so i'm yeah. getting that that buzz back nice so uh yeah that's it's nice and good. it's good timing um, yeah springtime's the time yeah. to do it isn't it yeah the old <laughs> six pack has, uh, has has certainly slipped <laughs> So, uh, yeah, um, that's hopefully, uh, certainly by uh, summer 2027, it may be, it may be back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Okay, yeah, funnily enough, I went for a little mini run today for the first time in a long time. So uh, 
That's uh, yeah, an apt small steps. <laughs> you know, yeah, you yeah. I was going to say that's yeah. yeah. So are you setting the bar kind of low? Because um, <laughs> I, I was chatting yeah. to my mate Donald on the podcast, and a few months ago he said to me, like, I said to him, "Oh, you always inspire me to do a bit of exercise," and he was like, "Right, just do ten press ups, ten sit ups, and ten squats every morning. Just set the bar low." Just get into the habit, and I started doing it, and I'm still doing it now. But I've I've gone up to like 25 press ups and 25 squats and stuff, and a couple of extra bits. But setting the bar low is really key, I think, to uh, getting into the habit. Yeah, I to- totally agree, and I think setting the bar low, but setting a routine. Yeah, setting a routine, and yeah, you know, 19, you do it 19 times, whatever they say, then it becomes normal, normal, normal practice. But yeah, absolutely. So it is for me definitely setting the bar low. Yeah, it's so, a short run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, no, it's it's working well so far, and really enjoying it. Yeah, um, but it hasn't rained good. yet. It hasn't snowed. Um, <laughs> that way, but, you know, it might be different, but see what know, happens then. Yeah, if we get some decent weather in and uh, running alongside the river as well, which is which is really nice in the um, in the spring. Yeah, yeah, nice. Oh, cool. Okay, so that's the new routine: up and straight out for a run, and uh, absolutely back and have a bacon sarnie. <laughs> cool well uh, I, I I um I picked up I went on your LinkedIn profile there and picked up the referral someone someone recommended you on there and uh, I, I was just interesting to see how it um how it relates to what we've we've talked about and it sounds like it relates exactly well he says he is extremely hard-working driven and demanding of those who worked for him to ensure we as a business not only met but exceeded all customer expectations there you yes. go. Can't remember who wrote it, but uh, thanks, mum. It was your mum. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, it no, was, yeah, it's, yeah, uh, yeah. sounds like that ties up with uh, everything you've said. Yes, it's interesting. Yeah, interesting times ahead. Yeah, yeah, cool. Well, um, yeah, as we said, spiretechgroup.com, best place for people to go find out more. You're on the the LinkedIn at Paul Valentine, and you've given me Facebook as well, Spire Limited. On Facebook, yeah, that's right. That's yeah. the best place for people yeah. to uh, to come and find you. But um, yeah, no, thank you very much for coming in. We met about what th- I want to say three years ago. It was three years ago. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. A nice cool. venue. So uh, yeah, we've spoken a few times uh, um, since then. But yeah, it's always good to catch up. And you've got a fantastic uh, studio here. Oh, thank you. Yeah, Cheers. very impressed. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, thank you for coming down and uh, doing this. Really appreciate it. it was, uh, Thanks for the interesting. Bye bye. You've been listening to the Thriving Three Counties podcast with me, Dan Barker. You can find links to all the episodes and show notes over at danbarkerstudios.com forward slash podcast. If you've enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes and leave us a review. It helps other people find the show and connect more people in the region. Thank you very much for your time listening. I hope you've enjoyed it and we'll see you next time.